Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And, and you're, you're about, about to get, get jumped. jumped. Welcome to Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you still should. That's right. This week on Get Jumped, we are back aboard the Bebop with episodes 4 and 5 of Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, if you remember last time, we were talking about a dog, a frog, and also a box of clogs aboard the Bebop. Um, well, like one of those things, so just... Whatever, let's just Let's just, it. yeah... So here we go. Yeah, welcome back. And also, before we, like, super get started, I would like to say, like, you, listener, welcome back to our podcast. We, recording the podcast, the order of this is all whack. We haven't (laughs) actually recorded episode four, even though you're listening to episode five. And none of the episodes have been released yet, so you're like in the weird far future. So hey, future people, what's yeah, up? We're uh, we're recording a time capsule for you. Yeah, this was forever ago. This is just I'm sure this will date it. This is like two weeks before the end of June. What a, this episode's probably not going to be out until like late August at the earliest. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So that's what'll happen. Whatever. You know, hi, future people. What's yeah. up? What's up? How's the future? Yeah. So um, I know we were talking about previously on Cowboy Bebop, but we're we're back to the present, and we're in episode four. Gateway Shuffle, and let's yeah. just jump straight into this, because right. we got one episode that's really good, and then we got another episode that is... Absurd. It's so good. It's just a masterpiece. And because of that, we're only going to be covering two episodes today, right. because episode five, uh, if you've never watched the show, be prepared. Uh, I suggest, if you are listening to this podcast and you really like what we talked about in the last episode of Cowboy Bebop and you're really interested in it, what you should do first is that you should watch all the way up to through episode 5 and then you should come back and listen to our take on it because, damn it, that episode is unreal it's how good so it is. It's so good. And I think maybe we could like break for a second to address like the idea of spoilers in general. I mean, yeah. this is a, a spoiler-heavy show. I mean, we are literally telling you the story of the anime and in fact sometimes we take our knowledge of what's going to happen in the anime and talk about foreshadowing that you might not realize is foreshadowing from the episodes yeah. we discuss um that's cool i think this the show is not just for people who haven't seen it it's for people who have and want to relive it um but you know if you haven't seen it you know and you want to listen like welcome you are you are Welcome here, I guess. Um, Coming you know, to our home. Approach spoilers how you <laughs> Madame will. Madame Zeroni will carry you up the mountain. Yeah, I, I personally am not the kind of person that likes spoilers. I think that's pretty common. But uh, I watched a great video on YouTube. It's from Super Eyepatch Wolf, who's a big anime YouTuber. And he did a great piece on um, d- basically do spoilers ruin something. And uh, essentially he's like, no, they don't. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we would say if you're listening and you want to listen and you haven't watched it, like, more power to you. Do it how you want. But, like, episode five, it's a great episode. And it also, I mean, it just plays out so beautifully. I do think that, you know, if you have the opportunity to get your hands on it, I know it's on some streaming services, not like Netflix or Hulu, but some anime-specific ones. 
um, check it out. It's super worth it. And if you can go in blind, you know, I mean, I think that's generally the preferred state anyways, but like, try your best, I guess. Yeah, but uh, I'm going to throw it back there, though, that when this started the episode today, Blake was like, 1998. That's almost 20 years ago. Yeah, this show's from 1998. So if you're getting spoiled by this... That's true. You need to get on the boat. Right. I mean, it's way past the, like... It is clearly left the boat station. Claws. I don't know. Did I say Dumbledore? I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm pretty sure it said the... Dumbledore? said the boat station. (laughs) We're just... uh, We're not even, like, drunk or anything. We're just stupid, Train on the water, boat on the track. (laughs) So, wow, this is going off the rails. All right, right, we're going to do Cowboy Bebop. Much like a boat. Basically, you've got Spike and Jet. They're your main characters. Spike is the main, main character. We met him. He has a past. We haven't learned a lot about it. We might learn a little bit more this episode. Yeah. Jet has a robot arm. He's cool. He doesn't do much in these episodes. (laughs) We also met Faye, who is not a part of the crew, but may or may not become one very quickly. And uh, there's also Ayn, the data dog, who's mostly scenery at this point. Yeah. Uh, Spike and Jet are space bounty hunters who are not super successful at it so far. They've gone on, like, one bounty per episode, maybe even more than one bounty per episode. They have currently... Oh, it's two in episode four. Yeah, they go they, on two and they... They've well, currently succeeded with zero bounties on screen, so... Uh, yeah. That's the situation, and uh, we'll jump back in here with episode four called Gateway Shuffle. Yeah, so Gateway Shuffle opens with uh, Faye. She is stranded in her ship while she uh, drinks some sort of orange liquid. They don't talk about it inside of the show of, like, what exactly she's drinking, but it does kind of look like one of those, like... It's gotta be Tang. Yeah, I mean, like, it's space. space. Orange juice. (laughs) Tang is the orange juice made for space, and that's probably the literal exact origin story of Tang, and you don't have to look it up because you've heard it here, Yeah, and we're... Take it as canon. Yeah, Tang scientists. Yeah, Tang scientists. We went to school for Tang. Tang Um, scientists sound gross. gross. It sounds so gross. It sounds like a... It's like a... You know how like a smell... You know like smells you can taste? Bad ones. You can call that a Tang. So, no! yeah. Anyways, Those okay. Are the rules. Cool. So she's she has like she has a floating bag of like I guess it's space chocolate, chocolate. Uh, that she's eaten, and sugar. then also one. Okay, does it say sugar or sushi? It says sugar. Somebody tell me. <laughs> like I thought it said sushi. It for sure. Says and I was like, it's space sushi, and she and then like was like, yeah, she got it from the space gas station. And I was like, don't eat stuff you buy at any gas station. You don't want the space even gas if station it's in sushi. space. Yeah. But and we had to roll it back, so we thought it was sushi the first time. We had to roll it back to reset the audio, and then it was like definitely not sushi. It was sugar, but she's got sugar, chocolate, and some, some other salt or something like that floating around her. She has sugar, and she had something else. She was making Kool Aid. That's orange Kool Aid in the mm, bag. Tang Kool Aid. Yeah, we're Tang scientists. <laughs> it's so horrible. Okay, cool. Okay, so we cut to this really cool spinning space station. Uh, there's not much to say about it. It looks kind of like a neon windmill in space. And yeah. Spike and Jet are talking about food. They're the trying Dutch to... made a space station, it would be that one. That's <laughs> where the clogs from the intro come from. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, it's all coming together here. So, God, this is the worst episode so far. We should be ashamed of ourselves. So Spike and Jet, they are discussing food. 
Um, and they're ordering through like a touchscreen table, which is pretty sweet and yeah. totally in our future. Like, hold on, it was not touchscreen; it had buttons on it. He was pressing in numbers. It looked like a touchscreen to me. I mean, it might have been a touchscreen. I thought it was. But t- I mean, you like, might be right. This is what people in 1998 think of the future. So, yeah, I guess so. And the, the table also like talks to him after he orders, and it talks in Japanese, which really threw me because we just set it up in English. <laughs> and I was like, what happened? <laughs> so uh, they're tra- talking about ordering some food, and they're talking about this specific dish, which is called Ganon. Mead sea rats. Oh yeah. Um, and they talked about. I don't know if you caught this, and, and you're a little bit more up on the lore than I am. They talked about how the Ganymede sea rats. It sounds like basically was like a a low cost food of necessity mm-hmm. during a time of great scarcity, and then when the gates stabilized, they other food sources became more prominent, and the sea rats nobody wanted to eat them anymore because they taste awful. And yeah. then the basically the I don't know, the sea rat lobby or whatever. Like the sea rat lobby. They, yeah. So they like came up with like, Oh, sea rats, they're a delicacy. And so then like now they're fancy and they can sell them even though nobody wants to eat them because they taste terrible. Yeah. I mean, if you've ever had caviar, you know that it's already something that people are doing. Caviar tastes terrible. This sounds like a huge tangent that we're on in an episode that has been almost 100% tangent so far. <laughs> but this part actually is relevant to yeah. the story. The, the sea rats are important. Um, and we're about to see that, but Jet has this like really cool like monocle. Oh, no, it's not a monocle, it's glasses. Is it? Yeah. I, well, we only pay attention to one side of it, or I did at least. I have monocle vision, I guess. Really, I have all glasses, I want monocles. You're a monoclist. You're yeah. like racist against glasses. Taint scientist <laughs> slash monoclist. You said taint scientist. Tang. Tang was what you're thinking. It's because that's the, the sexual. We're moving on. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> And we're going to get canceled from the internet, which you're not supposed to be able to do. So they, he's using his monocle and or glasses to look at this dude. And it has like a little spinny wheel to adjust the uh, resolution on the side or whatever. He sort of zooms in on this guy. And it's really cool. You see, They're looking at this dude's face. They're talking about how it's probably the bounty. And then the glasses basically like take the, the actual bounty's face, which is super different. And... Like impose the same features yeah, over it. Yeah, it's like facial reconstruction. Yeah, reconstruction. and it's like, oh, there's like a ninety four percent chance that like this is your guy. It's yeah. really sweet. Yeah, and so like the the next thing that you see is uh, this weird weird woman that has uh, sort of like one droopy eye. Um, she looks creepy. Yeah, and she's in all purple. And she's, then it's like an Elizabethan dress almost with like a big yeah. Sunday sun hat kind yeah. of thing. So she she's sitting there with these three guys these like middle-aged guys and they're talking to her and they keep on calling her mother and then i had this like revelation while we were watching it and i was like futurama was coming out after this uh-huh. what if futurama's mom was inspired by this woman from this episode of cowboy bebop because she is leading these like uh they're like it's uh, terrorist group that it's the uni- Universal Environmental Protection Society. Yeah, which, which sounds will, which sounds way more chill than apparently it actually turned into. Yeah, they talk about this later. Basically, like it's a pretty normal conservation society that then turns super militant when yeah. she takes over. Yeah, but like I think you might be right because not only is Mom from Futurama kind of like a militant leader of a corporation. I mean, it's not super similar on that end, but like their design is really similar. Actually, like they look a lot alike. And the 
the voice actor for mom is fairly different, like tonally speaking, but like the way that they have this sort of like superiority speech over people, yeah, it's. It's striking, actually. And the three guys around the table, they keep on calling her mom. Yeah, and for they, sure. they talk about how, like, they, they messed up something earlier and one of them is going to get punished for it. And he's, like, begging with mom to let him go. Uh-huh. And then, so so Spike and Jet are about to go and, uh, well, they, they're deciding if they want to get food first or if they want to catch the bounty first. Because if you remember from the last episode, they're pretty much never succeeding at eating real food. Yeah. So they're about to get their food, and then when you see uh, Jet's line of sight, and these like two people step in the way, and you see that it's those people that were just sitting at the table that were calling Mom, Mom at the table. She has I a different remember name. her name. It's Twinkle Maria Murdoch. <laughs> yeah, that's her name, you guys. Twinkle TMM. Mar- uh, TMM. Yeah, TMM. <laughs> Standing with her, uh, with her weird children, and now they're wearing uh, these hats that look like a rat face with a dolphin body that go over their faces, and they are standing in front of this guy that's the bounty for Spike and Jet. He's a twenty-five million bounty specifically, so this is another big loss for the guys. Yeah, they basically have overheard this dude ordering sea rat as a dish, and they're like. You shouldn't eat that. I don't remember what they say, but they're like, don't eat that. Here's what we think about this. And they shoot him to death. Oh, yeah. They shoot everybody to death, basically. Except for Spike and Jet, who are hiding behind a plant. And apparently that gives them bulletproof plant armor. It's a bulletproof plant. Yeah. This is space. They have bulletproof plants. Yeah. Also, they're in space and they're shooting machine guns. And if I've learned anything from my science fiction watchings, you're not supposed to shoot guns inside of a vacuum inside of space. How are you supposed to have like a gangster noir show with prohibited gunfire? I mean, think about it. Fine. Anyways. Also, bulletproof plants, Spencer. We already covered this. (laughs) The the walls are probably lined with plants that are bulletproof. Again, so so they they go over and they see that he is dead and they they run up to catch mom before she gets on top of the elevator with the other terrorists and because uh, they find out that she's worth like twenty eight million or something yeah and yeah like cool this worked out cool so he uh, he holds a gun up to her head and uh, right before the elevator closes she's like don't worry I'll be back to you soon and you'll get your punishment when we get home and you see like the one guy that's being punished like. And he reminds me of the kind of dopey son inside yeah. of Futurama that's just like, oh, man. Super put upon, yeah. 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 Um, so meanwhile, we see Faye. She's, remember, she's floating around with bags of Tang or whatever it is. And floating she, around with bags of Tang. She's, uh, she runs. I, I kind of didn't pay full attention at this part. But basically, she like sees a, a spaceship that ignores her. It's super good Samaritan-y. Yeah. And then like she sees another spaceship that she goes to or she like drifts over to it or something. Again, I wasn't paying full attention. Just watch the episode if you yeah. want it exact. But basically, she meets a space guy. God. Oh, my God. Okay. So she meets what an happens astronaut. to him is that this guy has a ship. It's already blown apart, right? And he is uh, just basically in the cockpit, but he's in a spacesuit. And he has attached to his arm a briefcase. And he says that you need to take this to the basically the space police. Space police. Yeah. And she, he's... They wear bulletproof she says, plant armor. She says, well, you need, to, you need to, like, stay with me. Stay with me. And then he just promptly dies. He and also, like, before dying, is like... 
take this to the space police. Don't open it. Oh, yeah. Them's the brakes. Yeah. And so immediately she opens it. She literally, she's like, well, if you tell me not to open something, I'm like, I'm going to open it. So she's, <laughs> Damn it, it's not immediate. It's like, there's like a scene. Do we see her? We go back to Spike and Jet. We cut back to Faye and she's like, man, I'm going to open this. Yeah. So she opens it. Uh, this is after we've gotten some exposition about the Environmental Protection Agency. Mm. I mean, that's... In America. The actual Universal EPA. Environmental Protection Society, which I then, like, in my notes, abbreviate to U- UEPS. <laughs> and every time I was like, it's like the UPS. It's exactly <laughs> the same. It's so similar. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we learn about Twinkle Maria Murdoch. They talk about how she takes over and things become violent. Faye opens the crate. Um, and there's, like, a, a diamond-looking thing inside of... Uh, basically the space version of those plastic things they put over CDs and DVDs at Target so that you can't take them out of the store. Yeah, it's, it's definitely space version. But it's a space version. Yeah. So, um, so we cut away from all that. We cut to the UEPS, the U-E-P-S, to uh, there's like all these monkeys in cages and they're mad and they're screaming. And um, the U-E-P-S is talking about protecting sea rat see the sea rats like that's their you know they are true to their name trying to protect the environment and uh they're talking to some it's really kind of unclear if he's a politician or a space police i think he's no, a politician. no no he is definitely a politician he says he says the uh, prime minister of ganymede all right well clearly i wasn't paying attention <laughs> in this episode yeah so the prime minister of ganymede is talking to them on the phone and it's become clear that they have some sort of uh biological agent that they're going to use instead of uh warheads on ganymede if ganymede doesn't agree to stop harvesting these sea rats yeah and so they they tell them this and then you cut back to scary monkeys then you cut back to the bebop and on the bebop they start to hear like this little beeping on their um on their little screen and then it comes up and you hear Faye's voice being like oh please please come save me there's actually like this can't be Faye. there's actually a really cool moment that happens right before this is they've captured mom and she's super smug like she feels like she's in charge even though she's been captured and they're looking at her bounty and then as they're looking at it, her bounty disappears and then they're looking at like this terrorist act that was performed by this organization under her leadership and as they're reading about it the story disappears and they can't find it anymore so like this stuff is being covered up and she is being basically like helped by the administrative powers that be as they are investigating her of Ganymede right and then they get distracted because Faye you know shows up on their monitors and is asking for help yeah so they bring Faye onto the ship and Spike has dumped out all of her clothes and stuff and also put her in handcuffs right and he's looking for something valuable in her luggage and finds the diamond it's not diamond it's it's like a weird shaped object that came out of that briefcase and he's like what is this and so and so uh and so you get this great three shot where you you're Walking around the ship, watching these three very different thing, different things happening. Uh, three very different things happening. Okay, cool. So um, first, you see Jet, who's getting actual information. Mm. He's trying to figure out what's going on with the bounty. He's trying to figure out like what he's going to do. He's trying to get in touch with uh, a friend of his um, who is part of the space police, so that he can figure out exactly what this uh, entire what is it UEPS is doing. 
And then you cut to Spike, who is basically beating open yeah. this this uh what is probably a biological agent right. that is supposed to be in a warhead, and he's just beating it across the side of tables and stuff like this. And then you keep cutting cutting back to mom every time he hits it against something, and she's just like she's trying to keep it cool, but every time he hits it on something, her eyes like cut to it and then cut back. Yeah. She's in charge, but she's worried. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they, we also uh, get a call from a um, from a government official who talks about the, a virus. So he's filling in all the blanks. Um, and uh, Jet calls a friend. And in my notes, I've mistyped Ganymede as Gaymede. So Jet calls a friend on Gaymede, uh, which... This guy's in the police force, and Jet references like when we used to work together. Like Jet used to be oh, a police yeah. officer. He talks about how the guy used to take uh, cuts on the side from Bloody Eye, and oh, we, yeah. I missed that. Yeah, God, so, where was I during this episode? I don't know, but I've been like, I, this is one of my favorite things. <laughs> so, so one of my favorite things about Jet is just like you really in, in the whole of the series. We're we're going to talk about this a little bit more, but like. Jet's backstory, as well as everybody else's backstory, you're going to get one really, really concentrated episode on everybody else but Spike. You get multiple of Spike. Um, He's a main main character. Yeah, yeah. That you're gonna you're gonna talk about like how cool everything is. But we're actually going to get a good Spike episode next. <laughs> yeah, but I, I swear, like Jet's backstory, like if you're looking for a cop noir drama, that episode is going to get you it is so good and you have your first taste of it in this because he says if you want to get if you want to continue working with the police until you're in retirement age and you want to forget all those things that i may uh i might not be able to forget you might want to start talking and it's just like damn it jet you're so fucking cool yeah he's awesome (laughs) so uh the we find out that the virus is called monkey business. I don't remember where we find out. There's some voiceover, or maybe the police friend knows it. Whatever. It's called monkey business. It's designed to affect humans only. They talk a little bit about how, like, oh, human DNA is only, like, 2% off of monkeys or whatever. And mm-hmm. um, so it targets that 2%. That's the... And it turns you into monkeys. Well, we don't know that yet, but it's fairly obvious. Those monkeys it... are all in people clothes. Yeah, it's explicit. You would never put people clothes on a chimpanzee. Well, I think that you and I are going to have to disagree about that. So, if we both get chimpanzees and then I can clothe mine and then we'll just compare notes. Yeah. So, uh, we... So, Spike... Meanwhile, Spike has been trying to, like, get this thing loose and he eventually, finally shoots it. Like, Oh, my God. He pulls out a gun and shoots the casing around this canister. And this was actually a cool Spike moment for me. It's subtle. But, like, he shoots this thing and the little diamond, not diamond-shaped, whatever the hell, in the middle flies out. Like, he... It's not an accident. Like, if you know Spike... And you might, may or may not at this point in the show, but like, you see him do something like that, and you, you have to realize, like, this is calculated. Cal- God. This is calculated. Like, he, he didn't shoot randomly at this thing. He shot at the casing so that he could free it. Like, yeah. this dude knows what he's Yeah, it, like, flips out and he just grabs it in his hand, and you have, like, a brief moment of mom freaking out. But anyways. Yeah, because she thinks he's gonna for real shoot it, because. She's not cool like he is. So from there, you get uh, you get uh, the 
the person on the other side, the police officer, telling Jet, yeah, her bounty is gone now. I don't know why her bounty is gone, but it's gone. And if you keep her on board, you're going to be marked uh, for kidnapping. Yeah. yeah. And so... Which is cool. They have to they have to basically release her to these terrorist group. Pretty much as she knew was going to happen. Like, yeah. clearly this was her plan all along. Yeah. And she, as she's moving and leaving the ship, she looks super smug. And she floats off to her ship, and they fly off into space, right? Yeah, they do this really cool, like, bridge thing between the ships. Mm-hmm. And it's like... It sort of, like, spirals out, like, to the different bridges, like swoop out to meet each other it's really cool this is a great excuse to watch the episode because i cannot describe it properly like it's really sweet (laughs) just go watch the episode yeah what are you doing watch the episode (laughs) so then the the next thing that you see is uh the this terrorist group talking to the prime minister of ganymede and uh there he's saying yes i met with parliament and we're going to cut back the harvesting of the sea rats and she says it was supposed to be a complete turn off of this and he was like well we'll go back and discuss that in a positive light the next time the parliament meets and she's like that's not what we discussed and then she decides that she is going to ruin everything. Yeah. So this is like, I guess, her big play. So she, so essentially, uh, we have discovered that the police had a mole in the organization or whatever. They're able to track the organization. They lost contact with the mole. Maybe they're dead. We don't know. But um, they're tracking mom now that she's been re-released by Spike and Jet. And... Uh, there's like a giant ship that the police are kind of closing in on. Like, I guess they're prepared to arrest her or whatever. And then, uh, spike and jet get a call from, uh, jets, police friend. Who's like, Hey, turn over to this channel. There's a, you know, public live announcement from mom and they turn over. The police realize like, Oh, this spaceship was a decoy. We see it being a decoy. And Mm -hmm. then the spaceship explodes, taking out all the police around it. And the um, only ship close enough that has, like, firing capabilities that can do anything about this is Jet and Spike and Faye yeah. on the Bebop. And the bounty is back on, so they're back in it. Yeah. So they jump after, um, they jump into gear to fly after the terrorist group. They're going to start flying um, through the gate to um, catch up catch mom as she's coming through right. the they're, other side of the gate. They're coming through hyperspace, which again, there's these giant gates at the planet and they facilitate hyperspace travel. Yeah. So, so Spike goes and he's going to stop the warheads, right? So they drop this big warhead and it's just like this big tanker one. And then that one breaks apart and it turns into three missiles right. after Spike's chasing it inside of the, uh, of the swordfish too, and he shoots this like his electro cannon, which every time I'm it's just so like cool. so sweet. Okay, so it breaks into three. He knocks out two, but he can't charge enough in time to catch up and shoot the third one. So they call Faye, and Faye is like, "Do you want some help? I'll help you for eighty percent." And he's like, "Eighty percent? You don't no get way. anything." And she's like, "Okay, then just let them die." And he's just like, "You're a mad woman!" And she's just like, "Okay, okay, we'll do it for sixty forty and she, or for forty percent." And she goes, "Okay, as long as I get the 60. And they're like, "Fine." <laughs> so solid. So, uh, so she goes to catch the last missile. They're both in the hyperspace gate now. Um, she shoots at the last missile, which then splits into like dozens of missiles, if maybe not hundreds. hundreds. 
And they're like, uh, what? We cannot deal with this. So, um, uh, Jet, who's on the outside of the hyperspace, he's not in hyperspace. He's in regular space right outside the gate. He's like, hey, so the situation is they're going to close the gate. Yeah. To prevent these missiles from getting through. And if it closes on you guys, you're going to be stuck in hyperspace, and that's not good. So cool. they do a pretty cool race out. Um, it's great. It's tense. I mean, it's episode four. We're, we're pretty sure that they're both going to make it out. But it's a <laughs> it's a good sequence nonetheless. Plot armor. They make it out, you know, just in time. And then there's this super cool moment where these ghostly missiles just shoot past and face like, oh my god, what was that? And Jet's like, what, did you not pay attention to in school? Like, in high school is what he said. In high school. Which means that in space high school, you learn about hyperspace, which yeah. is a different plane of existence than our own, where you can see the thing, but it is not tangible to yeah, the touch. Yeah, he said like, if you get locked in hyperspace, like you can be seen in the real world, but you can't interact with the real world because you are on a different plane of existence. Yeah, and then you get to see one last sweet-ass spike burn, which is the old woman on the ship. Her left eye has gone all lazy. It's and weird. And she's freaking out because they're trapped in hyperspace. She doesn't know what her, she's going to do. They hit a little bit of a space bump. and yeah, uh, one of those space yeah. red bumps. And then the little vial that was inside of the thing that Which Spike totally shot open. stole from Spike. No, she did not. Spike dropped that into her pocket. Because that's what Spike does. No, I thought that was a flashback to her stealing it from him. And I just assumed he like let it be stolen because... He's probably precognitive or something. I don't know. Whatever. So it's inside it of her pocket. It stolen or given. It flies Watch forward. the episode. <laughs> it breaks against the wall, and all of a sudden, they all have monkey business. Monkey... monkey yeah. It's called monkey business. No, you're right. That's the virus. That's uh, what it's called. You're right. It's called 13 monkey business Bruce Willis disease. That's... You went too far. <laughs> anyway, so we, we get, like, basically one last really quick scene on the Bebop. Faye is essentially assuming herself onto the crew. She's like, cool, that was fun. Like, we're having a great time. I'm going to go take a shower. Like, we're all friends now. And they're like, um, so why are you here? So you're not going to leave? Yeah. Um, and she... She's assuming squatter rights. Like, you know, spoiler alert, like, she is now part of the crew. Like, she's going to be here. Yeah. And it's great. Cool. So... So that was fun, right? We had a good time. That was a good episode. Some of us sounded like we were drunk, even though we were sober while we talked about (laughs) it. Um, We became tank scientists. Yeah. It was a a lot of... We had a good time. So let's drop into... Okay, so I was telling Blake about this. Turn the mood down. As this episode starts, I said, if you're going to watch Cowboy Bebop, there are three episodes that are um, above the rest. I, I, Which is a, it's is, a high bar to clear. This is my opinion of this for sure. I, I think that there's a caveat to say that between one and two, there is Cowboy Bebop the movie, which we're going to talk about later on. Um, but that happens in like the middle of the episodes, and it's a super long episode, so it's a little bit different. But I think that this is probably the second best episode of the series. Um, this is episode five, Ballad of the Fallen Angels, it one of my excellent favorite episodes of this entire series. It is... Your first introduction to one of the most amazing characters in the entire series. You also get to meet a lot of backdrop characters. Um, you get to learn about uh, what happened to Spike when he was part of the syndicate. A little bit. Like, you chip away at it. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, a, it's a lot of images that have... 
Thanks. That's that's great. Motorcycle. Yeah. It's a lot of images that have uh, pretty easy inferences, but not a lot of um, explicit explanation, which is great. It's a it's a wonderful storytelling technique because it's sort of telling backstory almost through ambiance mm-hmm. and suggestion rather than outright you know breaking from the story to tell us exposition and it's 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 wonderful i mean again we said this at the beginning of the episode i think it's worth reiterating mm-hmm. episode five of cowboy bebop is phenomenal it's beautiful like the animation quality is very very high in the show but particularly well done in this episode yeah. if you can go and watch it go and rewatch it yeah uh we would strongly suggest it and um again you know Spoil it if you will, if you don't know what happens in this episode and you would like to go in knowing what happens when you finally do get around to watching it, that's fine. But uh, I think both of us would say it'll have a little bit more warmth if you don't quite know what to expect. Cool. So here we go. So the first three minutes of the episode happen before you see the, the the title sequence of Ballad of the Fallen Angels, which is session number five. You're back on um, Mars. Um, right. There. Um, on the, like, terraformed area of Mars. Yeah. And it's basically, I think they recycle a shot from the first episode yeah. to reestablish where we are. Yeah. So you see, um, you see a businessman, and he is uh, signing a contract by pricking his thumb and pressing a blood print of his thumbprint onto this contract mm-hmm. and handing it over to this other guy. And then there's this cool little power swap that happens, uh, like, right afterwards, too, where you, like, you think that this guy that is signing away his, like, blood document is the person not in charge. And then you realize that the person that's all in white that accepts the contract is actually the guy that's in the middle of this syndicate hot den. There's, like, multiple armed guards that are around this little kind of, like mincy looking little guy right and uh he is the leader of the red dragon clan right um it's one of like the most important syndicates uh you heard about them a little bit when you heard about like bloody eye they run like one of the largest drug trafficking trades and they're making a deal with another syndicate uh so that they can basically like broker some sort of peace between the two and he says we're we're not going to uh, kill each other anymore. We're going to yeah. sign this treaty. They actually, there's like a really, I think this might be dub specific. It, it feels like the kind of thing that might be handled a little bit better in the subbed version. But uh, they're like, oh, you know, like maybe next time you can hang out and have dinner with us. And then the dude, like, I mean, the, there's implications, but he just literally is like, and we won't even poison the food or something like that. <laughs> it's like, uh, like, okay, why did you have to say that? Nobody said anything about yeah. poisoning the food. And then they both pointed at each other and were like, yeah. <laughs> So that doesn't happen. But he does say the poisoning the food thing. So as he's watching him uh, fly off, uh, you see him and he's like, finally some peace. And then the ship that he's on explodes. There's a cut to the hallway. All of the guards are dead. There's blood everywhere. And then you just see white hair... A bird squawk, and in walks your first shot of vicious. Yeah, he has this. It's this bird. It's like a big eagly, raveny kind of thing with mm-hmm. like three or four hair, like feathery hair spike things sticking up. 
Yeah. It looks really cool and vicious. Walks in with this thing on its on his shoulder and it's all badass and it's yeah. great. So he talks he he talks to um your other your lead character that's lead uh of the Red Dragon clan uh, The businessman. Well yeah. we will find out later that his name was Mao Yen Rai. Yeah, Mao Yen Rai you'll learn about a little bit later. We'll get into his backstory with especially how it deals with Spike. But your first mention of Spike inside of this episode is when he says to Vicious this would never have happened if Spike was here. And then Vicious smiles. Smiles. And then they just cut his throat. Yep. And um, he just falls on the ground. And then it cuts to session number five, Ballad of the Fallen Angels. And then we're back on the bebop. <laughs> uh, so on the bebop, uh, the, things are actually pretty heated there too. Um, specifically, Spike and Jet are arguing over whether or not they should pursue... The bounty on Mao Yanrai. Mm-hmm. Um, Spike wants to. Jet does not want him to. Jet basically calls him out on, like, why do you care so much? Spike deflects this by being like, well, where'd your arm go? Like, how'd you lose your arm? And Jet's like, well, I'm, I'm not going to answer your question. So great. And Jet and Spike is like, well, I'm not going to answer your question until you answer mine. Yeah. So they're at center, Such sort a of a response. Yeah, it's great. They're at a standstill. Faye bursts in with some shopping bags and it's like, this door's too small. Yeah, she's, I'm Faye. She's oblivious. It gets on Jet's nerves while Jet's nerves are being gotten on. Spike slips away and flies off. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's awesome. It's super. It's super like noiry. It's great. Yeah. So the next thing that you see is Faye seeing the bounty, and she was thinking, "Oh, we've got some more information on this." And then the screen turns on, and they're giving them a hot tip on where Mao Yin Rai is going to be at yeah. this opera. And she's like, "Oh, I'm going to go to the opera then." Yep. So, uh, and uh, Faye. So we well, we talked about this already. Yeah. Da, da, da. So, uh, yeah, Faye lands on the planet. She's super nicely dressed up in, like, an evening gown. Um, she shows up. It's the opera. She arrives at Mao Yenrai's box and is promptly taken hostage. Yeah, and you uh, don't see what else happens. Not yet. Right. So the next thing that you see is Spike landing on a planet, um, and he is going to talk to Annie, um, the, the shop owner who is... Uh, Capturing these two boys that are trying to steal porno mags from right. their ship. And there's another great Spike moment. Like he, one of the kids is getting away. He runs right into Spike, who's just kind of standing there. And then when he like lands on his ass and looks up at Spike, Spike has the magazine that he had hidden underneath his shirt. Like his hands are so fast. Yeah, and so he's holding that. He's holding that. The kid tries to get it, gets captured by Annie, and then Annie sees Spike. She is dumbstruck. Yeah. And then she drops the kids. They run off. And then we have uh, our first connection with Spike's freaking backstory. Dang yeah. it. So you you hear her call him, uh, or you hear Spike call her Anastasia. And she says, she snaps. You, you can't. You cannot call me that. There are only three people that can call me that. And then you see a uh, shot on the desk of Annie with Mao Yin Rai, another person you haven't seen yet, which is important later on. Um, but it it has this connotation of like this is a woman that was connected to Spike at some point in regards of like them getting into the syndicate or mm-hmm. where Mao came from. Mao has some sort of connection with 
with Annie, and he, you don't know exactly what it yeah. is yet. And uh, she also mentions that Spike died three years ago. Yeah. Um, it's a little ambiguous as to whether or not she believes he was really dead. Mm-hmm. But uh, she mentions that he's a dead man, that he died three years ago. He can't be here because he's supposed to be dead. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll, uh, let's go back to the opera, shall yeah. we? So Faye is sitting down in the opera box and she's kind of freaked out. She she's looks... being forced to sit down. They're like, hey, you're Faye Valentine. We researched you. Yeah. They've pulled guns on her. She's not, she's a hostage. Yeah. And there is, there's really like, uh, I, I mentioned to Blake this when the episode started too. There's, there's a lot of music that is very, very different than what you've heard before inside of Cowboy Bebop 2. Um, one of the Especially things. Especially this episode. Yeah. So one of the things that they try to do inside of this episode the reason is why it's called instead of like uh like stray dog shuffle or something like this it sounds really jazzy it's called ballad of fallen angels and you really really get it in this episode the entire backdrop inside of the opera you're listening to ave maria this opera singer singing it and like holding his hands up to the sky as you cut back to Faye as she's looking over to mao and she sees his neck just sliced open and just blood all it's over grotesque. the side of his neck yeah and then he's you cadaverous see- and covered in blood it's yeah. awful and they just have him sitting in the middle of this opera and then you cut to vicious and vicious is looking at her and smiling at her and she just looks completely horrified. He also has this creepy ass bird with him and I think this is the first time we hear him called Vicious or at least introduced as Vicious. I can't remember if we've mentioned Vicious before He says his in own the show, name in it. But he introduces himself like I am Vicious. Yeah. What's up? Cool. So then you cut back to Annie and you sort of get a feeling of like what Annie sort of does because she gives Spike a gun and she has like an entire box of bullets just hanging out so she has something to do with guns yeah Um, she also runs through (laughs) a bit of backstory saying essentially like whenever it was that spike was presumed to have been killed vicious didn't believe it and specifically that he he felt that spike was dead like he did not believe he was dead or felt that he was dead felt that he was alive so he felt that spike was alive um because he could tell. Like, he, he had a sense mm-hmm. that he was still out there somewhere. Yeah. And then we cut back to the Bebop. It's Spike and Jet. They're talking about uh, what they're going to do. What happened to Mao. Where did Spike just go? Did he just go get some backstory? He doesn't say that. Did you get that's... your backstory, kid? <laughs> yeah. And, and Jet references their argument from earlier. And he's like, you asked me where I lost my arm. Well, I lost it from getting in over my head, essentially. Yeah. And he's really trying to talk Spike out of this. But they get a video from Faye, uh-huh. and she's like, I'm hostage. And they're like, ugh. She's also super Faye about it. Like, she's not freaking out. She's like, she's really flippant about the whole thing. She's like tied to a post somewhere with her arms, you know, tied over her head. But she's being Faye the whole time. Like, she's kind of chill and making fun of it a little bit yeah and spike has just gotten a fresh batch of grenades out of the fridge mm-hmm. he was keeping them keep cold them. with the milk you keep them cold um, oh, they'll go bad yeah it's and like in the heat she keeps all of her weaponry in the fridge as well yeah this is canon I, this makes sense okay so she she <laughs> so spike spike like puts all these grenades inside of his like pockets i guess because uh, he's not carrying a bag when he lands um and he walks off and you get a fantastic another backdrop of different sound of music and not the sound of music. <laughs> yeah. 
But um, this is there's a major visual shift here yeah. as the song starts and it's everything becomes washed out and is almost entirely in hues of purple or blue and it's mm-hmm. gorgeous. Yeah, and it's you really get these long drawn out shots where you see like the shadow of Spike as he walks up inside of the church. You get the church beautiful stained glass window uh, drawn inside of there. You get a backdrop of Vicious. You get a backdrop of like these uh, these pews inside of the church. All this desolated yeah. like mausoleum stuff that you walk through. It's just this beautiful moment. This is something you actually you see this a lot in anime mm-hmm. and you don't see it a lot in American media but it's the the sort of like long slow tension build through like wide shots or long shots on you know the environment you know mm. we're seeing different parts of the cathedral there's almost no shots involving people in them and it it's beautiful and it is this huge build of tension and i love i think this is one of the things that anime does really well very frequently that we don't get a lot of in american media like this is one of the things that you can really enjoy that's specific not necessarily to anime but certainly specific to anime when compared against american shows is is you get these wonderful long shots you get you know these moments that sort of drag out with dramatic timing in a way that in an american show would be pushed along by sort of a more frenetic pace, and it, it's great. It, it's a good storytelling trope, and it works wonderfully here. Yeah. So you see Spike see Vicious, Vicious see Spike. They have this moment, the bird flies off, and then the pace is suddenly completely pushed to the limit. Yeah. Because Faye is standing there, and she has a gun to her head, and the first thing that Spike does is just nails that guy in the head. Yeah. And he just... Falls back, then a bunch of syndicate guys start popping up. They have shotguns and machine guns, and they're shooting at Spike. It's classic. Uh, it's the classic, like, I have a hostage, so you have to disarm, and Spike does not. No. He um, just immediately shoots the guy in the head. This is also, like, right after, like, Vicious greets him by saying, um, when angels are forced out of heaven, they become devils. Mm-hmm. And they have a little bit of a, a back and forth between Spike and Vicious, and, and Spike mentions that he is the man who took you in and made you what you are. And Vicious responds that Spike is a beast who's lost his fangs, which is why he has to die. Yeah. And it's awesome. So they, this, I also wrote here that this feels like a season finale. Yeah. Um, and I was like, Oh, it probably feels like a season finale to these characters too. Like, you know, this is a big climactic moment and it's great. Like this is what a 24, 25 episode show or something like that. Like this is episode five and it feels like, you know, it feels like the culmination of a plot. It feels like some something's going to change. You know, it's excellent. Yeah. So, so then you have you have this amazing, amazing fight sequence where um, Spike is shooting through all of the grunts uh, to get up to the top level, which is the boss fight against Vicious. Mm-hmm. Um, along the way, he gets shot in the side. And I mentioned to Blake one of the things that they really do well inside of the show is that Spike, any time that he is is fighting and he is going in, man, he will get hurt, and it is legitimately getting hurt. And when he's fighting against especially, like, somebody that is... He brought people to this fight where he knew that Jet was... I mean, Spike was going to be alone. He brought all of these different syndicate guys to here. Because, like, Vicious, you think, is a complete badass, which he is. But at the same time, he is so scared of Spike that he has to put 
all of these syndicate guys in the way, and Spike just mows them down and takes one shot to the side. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Also, we get... There's a, here's another big anime trope right here, right before Spike gets to the, the boss battle. He gets shot. Almost immediately, we cut away to Jet elsewhere doing... Bonds, he's trimming like a little bonsai plant mm-hmm. and he like accidentally trims it too much and sort of scolds himself. And this is so anime, like having something happen and then having a another shot, uh, like another character or even like just a shot of nature being a metaphor for it. We're going to see this a lot in Naruto. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to comment on all of it, but if you are watching along at home with Naruto, you're going to see, particularly as the show goes on, lots of scenes as one opponent is approaching another will cut away and see, you know, like, here's a hawk that snatches a snake out of a tree. It's a metaphor. Like, <laughs> this is super anime. and But they, they do it really well here. It's wonderful. And- I mean, it's... It is super anime, and they that don't can pat be, it too much here. Being super anime can be a good thing or a bad thing. In this instance, it is a very much a good thing. Yeah, and so and so you cut back, and you are finally at the the fight between Vicious and Spike. Boss fight. They're going gun to sword, which is how they like to do it. Apparently, um, Spike is yeah, specifically Spike has a gun. Vicious has a sword. Yeah, Vicious doesn't really fight with a gun very she also often. Freaks Spike out, and it's it is really. Freaking because like you get up he's he's like made it to the top level vicious hasn't revealed himself and then there's just like movement in the shadow and spike turns and it's this fucking bird and it's like <laughs> like you know it comes after him and then there's vicious with the sword yeah and they're like going back and forth he's trying to get a train on uh on Vicious, but he can't get a shot off before Vicious um, gets him uh, gets the gun out of his hand. Um, he tries to scramble and get it off of the floor while pushing the sword away from him. He finally gets the gun up to Vicious's shoulder while Vicious gets the sword up to Spike's shoulder, and Spike uh, spikes down on his back. Vicious yeah. is, is on top of him. Yeah, and so uh, right as they're looking into each other's eyes and they're so mad at each other, they. Spike gets stabbed through the shoulder as Vicious gets shot through his shoulder. And then Vicious, in a a fit of anger, knocks the gun out of his hand and then grabs Spike by the face. Full on, hand to face. Yeah, and then freaking throws him through the stained glass window from like four stories up, it looks like. Yeah, it's very tall. Then you have... Okay, I told Blake this too. You have one of the most iconic shots in the entire show of Cowboy Bebop. It is Spike... Falling through a pane, the stained glass window, falling very slowly. Then you get this amazing, amazing thing that they do with Spike's eyes. And I know that we're gushing over this episode, but if you it's pay attention it. to the little things inside of this show, you will be astounded at how good of an anime this is. You cut to left and right eye of Spike. One is looking into the present, one of them is looking into the past. They cut to the one eye as he's remembering all of his moments with Julia yeah, and it, all of his time in the past. It's literally a life flashing before his eyes. Yeah. And there's a couple of shots that we've seen before, like mm-hmm. at the start of the show. Yeah. But most of it's new information. And again, it's told in this... It's There's no dialogue. Yeah. All right. Can we... <laughs> there's motorcycle farts outside. Yeah. So there's, there's no dialogue in this sequence. And... It's just, it's set to music, it's slow motion, him falling, 
interspersed with these, you know, beautiful shots and this sort of like washed out tone. It's like a sepia tone. Yeah, it is gorgeous. Yeah. And then you see as he's falling, he's almost fallen all the way. And then above him, you see a grenade bouncing on the ground. And then you see Vicious see it. And then you cut outside to Spike, flashback again, then cut back to present, and the stained glass window just explodes yeah, out. It's and awesome. Spike has dropped a grenade as he was being thrown out to leave with Vicious so mm-hmm. that Vicious would like explode inside of the cathedral. Unreal. It's so cool. Then you hear uh, like the music cut out and you see uh, blackness and then you hear humming of music. And then you see Julia's face, and it's Spike waking up, and she's like, I'm sorry, was I singing too loudly? And he was like, no, sing like that. Just please keep singing like that. And then he closes his eye again, and then you hear different humming. Uh-huh. And then Not quite as good. It's Spike waking up and looking over at Faye, and then Faye's like, oh, you've been asleep for so long. You've been asleep for three days. And he is completely mummified. Yeah. Like, he has so many bandages all over his He's body. He's covered pretty much everywhere except his eyes yeah. and, like, the top of his head. Yeah. And so he's, like, he, like, ushers Faye over, and then Faye, like, leans in, and she's like, what? And he's like, you're singing off-key. <laughs> <laughs> and she smacks him in the face. With a pillow, it basically explodes. She stomps off. Jet looks back, and we're you he know. has an "Oh, those guys" moment. <laughs> <laughs> and then the credits roll from Cheers. Yeah, <laughs> everyone knows your name. <laughs> That's at the very start, not the very end. That's the opening credits. It still counts. Somebody wanna go? Anyways, yeah. Anyways. Um, those are the episodes. So, and that's the story of Spike and Vicious, and it's over, maybe. Yeah, totally, maybe over. But maybe. keep listening, and we'll find out. Yeah. So, uh, those are the two episodes from this week, and uh, stick with us here in a little bit after the credits, and you will hear a uh, a little bit of a sneak peek of what we're going to be doing next what, week. What could we do? We've almost created a pattern here that you could predict. What? What will? What will it be? What's going to be next? <laughs> Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions. With sound editing work done by Rashad English of Plain English Productions. He's our level four sound wizard. Our podcast is ad free and we want to keep it that way. If you want to help us keep releasing episodes without the use of ads, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patrons get exclusive member content as well as unlocking group perks. Follow us on Twitter at BNS Get Jumped. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. New episodes come out every Sunday on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like the show, please like, subscribe, and review. Reviews help us chart on iTunes. Next week, we are returning to the world of Naruto. On Team 7's first mission, Naruto has a brush with death, and we meet the assassin of the mist, Zabuza. Yeah, and also there's mirrors and ice and ice mirrors. So, alright, well not yet, but sure.